It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did in 2014! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. Can't even get my words out. We've won again. Again. Which I can't believe we're saying we gritted out another 2-1 victory against Manchester United. Oh, I mean, let's get straight into it. There is so much to talk about. We welcome back Matt from the Can You Believe It podcast. Matt, how are you doing? I am very good, thank you. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm much better than um, how I was feeling during the game on Sunday. I'm much more calm now because I'm going to be honest, every single game now, I am just an absolute nervous wreck mm. and it just terrifies me every single moment they're close to goal or whatever I, I, I just panic so much so I'm glad we won but there's four more games of this and I am bricking it yeah do you, do you ever think do you ever stop and think when you're watching it on and you're like, this is supposed to be fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm supposed it's... to enjoy it and I'm not I am it's, and apart from like the the final whistle or you know, the split second of scoring a goal. And even then I'm thinking about next week immediately and I'm like, what can happen? Are Spurs going to beat Liverpool? Like what's going to yeah. happen when we play Leeds at home, which is going to be an early game, all this sort of stuff. You know, like it's, I just, like we were just talking about off air, like I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't mind it if I was just put in a coma just for a bit. And so yeah. the season I woke up, found out what happened, moved on quickly. Yeah, exactly. Like then at least that way you 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 you're pretty relieved and what whatever like we've either qualified for the Champions League and we're delighted and or mm. we we haven't gotten in the Champions League and I don't have to get my hopes up. It's just like oh well we we, we finished fifth. I can live with it. So um, yeah, it's it, yeah, mm. it's, it's it, every game now, every minute that goes by is just. Oh, it is the worst feeling. It makes yeah. you consider why you want to be a football fan when you go through those emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Tell me about it. And look, someone somewhere um, in who works for Amazon or the production company that runs the All or Nothing, someone's getting a raise of choosing the right clubs to do it for this season because, Christ, it has been a roller coaster. It's had everything. It's had absolutely everything. We've got, you know... Um, the worst start in history, uh, the mighty comeback, slight fall, the ex- exercising stars, um, you know, getting rid of Aubameyang, there's been drama within that as well, the mm. rags to riches elements of the young players, all this sort of stuff, and there's just so much within it um, that, that, that certainly could make it interesting, but and the big but means is that they need their grand finale, which is hopefully, um, dare I say, beating Spurs to get and qualify for the Champions League on that day. Now, look, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm too scared. I'm just, I'm just saying, if, if we beat Leeds after Liverpool beat Spurs, then we're Please. going in. If yeah. Liverpool beat Spurs, and if we beat Leeds, then we're going into it with a five-point lead, and we can go and win it at the lane. The, uh, see. The thing is with that, and obviously I hope it happens because it would be hilarious to secure top four and finish in above them at their home ground, getting our first win because I, I, I assume a draw wouldn't be good enough because no. they have a better goal difference than us. So we would have to win there, getting our first win in a North London derby away at their new stadium. That would be big. It would be massive. And uh, But... I think the the bigger thing for me is if all those permutations happen. So if we beat Leeds, if Liverpool beat Spurs, and we go into the North London derby with a five-point gap, then you can, like, obviously, you don't want to lose the derby. No. But if you lose the derby, you're still ahead of them. Yeah, and it, it doesn't mean I want to lose the derby because I think if if we went in five points ahead and they won, it would be a momentum shifter, and then yeah, we have to yeah. go to New Newcastle. But like you, you have that. <coughs> you, you're basically you're basically saving yourself for for like the worst case scenario that yeah. way. You could you could potentially go to that ground and get a draw, and you'd be all right. Like. Um, 
So mm. it's it's it would be a good situation, but we need to put ourselves in the situation. And I guess winning this game against West Ham, every game's massive at the moment, and winning mm. this game against West Ham was so big. Yeah. I agree, mate. It's huge. It's absolutely massive. And um, well, look, let's 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 get into that anyway. I mean, so so uh, West Ham, West Ham. In fact, actually, just before we get into West Ham, the Arsenal anthem has uh, the 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 Louis. What's his name? The guy that was a Twitter. Louis, Louis, Louis Dunford. Louis Dunford. That's it. I've just seen on Twitter that he's jumped into number one on the albums, and he's number three in singles in the UK on iTunes. That is. You know, you know, we always get taken the mick out of for voting always on Sky Sports News or rigging like a little cheeky little poll. It's happened again, but in the more yeah. personal sense. And what a, what a powerful, powerful song! If that gets sung around the Emirates, mate, I mean, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, like it, it's it, it's a really it's a really good song. Like in terms of the chorus, I I think the the rest of the song is, is fine, but it's probably one of those really catchy songs that will catch on. I think Arsenal have always struggled to sort of have like not not every club needs an anthem sort of thing, but yep, like um, you you can see this being sung like maybe it won't be sung like at the start of games. I think a lot of people were envisaging it as maybe like the "You'll Never Walk Alone" yeah sort of song, but maybe like at the end of games because like before we had like what "Sweet Caroline" and it's just like yeah yeah it's fun but it's not really arsenal this is a bit more arsenal related so yeah um yeah so it it could be a good a good thing and to see the whole um club sort of like rally around oh sorry all the fans rally around Mm. this song was actually quite heartwarming to see yeah and i wonder if it would have happened had we not beaten united and not beaten chelsea and been building up to West Ham in such a way, like there was a good mood and a good feeling about it. Kind of all the pieces fell together. Um, and someone, I was a Liverpool fan, this made me laugh a lot. What did he say? He said something like, this is ridiculous. This is not an Arsenal song. It doesn't even mention the word Arsenal. Obviously talking about North London for most, most of it. You I never don't, walk alone, man. It doesn't mention Liverpool. Well, this is where I had my fun. So I Googled which clubs sing You'll Never Walk Alone before each... Um, before each... Uh, match and call it their um, anthem. Uh, do you want me to read you the list? So um, I can guess three of the clubs. Go on then. So um, Liverpool, obviously. Yep. Um, Borussia Dortmund. Yep. And Celtic. Yes, there's lots more. So FC20, Feyenoord. Uh, that's two from the Eredivisie. SC Cambor, who I actually don't know who they are. So two German clubs, you've got Mainz um, and yeah. then 1860 Munich, who also play in the, um, oh, I don't think they're in, I think the Bundesliga 2, as far as I'm aware. Uh, Club Bruges, KV Metalan, FC Tokyo, SD La Lugo, it's in the Spanish third, second, third division, uh, Panathinaikos and Indonesia's Bali United. So if you're ever thinking about a song that isn't relevant and they weren't even the ones to start it, you only have to look as far as you'll never walk alone. Yeah, like, I mean... Um... Uh, it is quite funny how they um they they always make it about them, don't they? So um, Liverpool fans. So, mm. but, and I, I get it because we are try like it, it like when you think of anthems, you think of Liverpool. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's just it was just a cool song, and if anything happens to it, we'll see. But I don't actually like it. Might not. So it might be quite close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and look, I, I'll, I'll hesitate to take the mic too far, as uh, they they have a very important job to do next week. <laughs> yeah, we're we we we're, we're all Liverpool fans. Yeah, sorry, we 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 play, so we've got to, we've got to be nice to them. I'm just so so like scarred from Man City. Oh, so scarred. Yeah, oh. yeah, I I I can never. I'm really really still annoyed at Manchester City, giving them six points. Oh, I can't believe it, mate. Really can't believe it. It's a joke, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's a real joke. Well, look, let's 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 get into um, the actual game itself. We've 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 beaten around the bush enough, and um, it, it, it's kind of hard to evaluate a performance like this, right? Because I kind mm. of feel like, particularly this end of the season, you know, throughout the season we talk about performance. We'd almost play really well and draw, and at points in the season, you know, play awfully and win. You know, I remember that Unai Emery. 22 match run and we were all like well this is actually still crap 
and lo and behold we ended up doing nothing there's points in the season you're kind of like well we're playing well the mm. metrics are looking good it'll come good for us and now it's crunch time and it is anything like anyone get it over the line it's just whatever happens football and um it was pretty flat for a bit two teams kind of nullifying each other um throughout the game um so what was your overall sort of take from the game and, and what we got from it? it 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 was a very bad game in general like actual bad football game mm. so i i don't think it was actually that good of a game i think both teams were quite sloppy in possession we looked quite fatigued which is is a worry especially since west ham were the ones that played three days before mm. and not us um it was it was a game that was lacking quality and i think it was a game that it was an ugly win and i think as you quite rightly said um we look i think a lot of fans now look at underlying metrics and makes um and make basis of of arguments towards that but i think as soon as you hit like middle of april to may time i think at that point all that matters is the results and it's just because there's so much riding on it every game is a, a must win and it's massive and like just having that sort of that just the sort of resilience is important and arsenal have shown that in this game we won two games the the previous weeks it's manchester united against chelsea we won those games not with the best defensive performance but we we had done all the right things going forward mm. and got the wins and it's just they are getting those they're getting the wins now and it sets us up quite well this was a game we had to win winning three three games against it's funny because we the easier games in air quotes mm. like against palace against southampton and against brighton mm. games that you would expect us to win we'd end up losing all three yeah and then the games that were the the tricky ones in this run in the west ham the man united the Chelsea games, we end up winning all of them. So it is quite funny when you it. think about it. But it's just so it's so important just to get the result at this point. And then next season, you, you like at the start of the season, then that's when you start looking at XG. That's mm. when you start looking at underlying metrics again. But now it's crunch time. We didn't play well, but we somehow found a way. And it was well, it was courtesy of two centre backs, wasn't it? I know, Bobby Maldini and um Gabrielle coming in from the other Gabrielle's cross. It's uh, it's looking good, and um, I, yeah, like like you say, it's 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 unbelievable that we've come away from three wins from from the games we expected to get far less than we than we got the first three in this little patch. And um, I, I can't believe we're looking back, and even we got nothing from those games. It's crazy, and you're kind of thinking ifs, buts, and maybes again. And you know, if we'd just won at Southampton or just taken those chances at Brighton. And, we could be looking at a completely different league table, but um, but look, it has happened. Um, and yeah, I, I, I actually think it had feelings of the Southampton game. Like, I don't think the performances were that different, to be honest. I think a couple of things went our way. We didn't get like a green. I don't think that that happened. Like, I don't think it was about that. I just think we didn't necessarily get any luck against you know, Southampton when we weren't good enough at finishing. And it's just... I think when we, which we do at the moment, play games on such tight margins, I think was one of those that we got the better of the margins. Um, you know, we had higher XG and all sorts of things. Like, I don't think we didn't deserve to win. But it was a bit of a flat performance and it needed a couple of set pieces to, to get us over the line. So, um, and I was I was particularly happy with, um, with, with holding, you know, first Premier League goal, um, yeah. which, which was fully deserved. And he's played quite like a, quite a nostalgic part of this team and he's been really upbeat and what a guy you know he's been so positive known and understood his position been very up for the fight every time he's come on and um and look he's got his flaws and i don't think we need to go into that but he's carved out his very own sort of um his own position his own place in the team and and he's and he's he deserves it so it's good to see him and his new hairline get that head on that ball <laughs> 
Yeah, the the Ramsdale um, comment oh, so after the good. game. It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was yeah. just like, all, all, all we needed was a new hairline to get that goal. So, yeah, was yeah. it? All it took was six years in a new hairline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Holding got very offended by that as he well. Did. Which I, yeah, which I've had quite funny. But, um, yeah. but yes, yeah, so um, Rob Holding, I think this was actually a perfect game for Rob Holding. If you could pick one game where, where in, in the running that we had, where Rob Holding would have been really useful and we mm. wouldn't need Ben White. And I still think we missed Ben White. We missed his progression because they basically just marked um, Granite Xhaka. Uh, quite a lot and blocked his passing lanes mm. but I think if there was a game where he had to get physical and, and such it was a game it was this game and he made a really good block before it, his goal it was an excellent block he defended really <coughs> well and it was like sort of the it was a, like a really good Rob Holding performance as something he knows he can do yeah and, and I I'm I'm really pleased for him because I think some people a lot of Arsenal fans on Twitter, I know they don't represent the majority, but it's just the, um, if you're not in the first 11, you're instantly rubbish. And I think mm. that's not the case because especially in these, these last three games, look at the players who are coming in and impress. You've got El Nenny, you've got Holden who's come in and you've got Eddie and Ketia as well. I know Holden didn't play against Manchester United, but the, he, They've all come in and at an important stage of the season and mm-hmm. made a contribution when they need it. And it just shows how important a squad game is because, yes, the 11 players that we have on the pitch, so if Tierney's fit, if yeah, Thomas Partey's fit, they are incredibly important and really good players. But seasons don't go like that. You're not going to have the perfect. And to be able to call upon someone like Rob Holding in a game like this and yep. for him to produce a performance like that is testament to him and it's also a testament to the, the squad management as well. And I, I'm really I was really pleased to him and um also whoever um done his um hair as well, his hair revival is absolutely excellent and that guy deserves to be knighted because it's probably the best hair revival I've ever seen. Yeah, the set piece coach and the hair revival uh, technician, whoever they are, need gold medals, and they've just they've just yeah. turned everything around for Bobby. So, um, yeah, look, I think we'll we'll look back at the end of the season, and you know, we'll look at these moments: the Rob holding goal, you know, Bobby holding coming on when we've been losing and winning us matches really at tight ends of the ends of games. El Neniesta's performance um, <laughs> against Man United. Eddie and Ketty's double against Chelsea. Like these are crucial, crucial times. And yeah, you know, we've we've praised Arteta for finding a consistent um for a very consistent first eleven for the first time in a very long time. Uh, and, and I think people have rightly criticized some of his man management um behaviors or some of his skills mm-hmm. there. And I think this is showing that he's learning. And I think it it's surprising just how fresh and just how up for it some of these players are. And you know, it's Eddie is out of contract at the end of the season. Is, is yeah. El Nini? El Nini's out of the contract at the end of the season? Yeah, El Nini's yeah. so, out of contract at the end of the season. So he's got them fighting for when they, quite frankly, don't have to. I mean, El Nini came out and said the other week that he would be delighted to even stay. This is family. This is everything he's ever wanted. I mean, granted, he probably won't be able to find anywhere too much better. But, um, you know, I think it's testament to the culture that he's that he's brought to the team. And um, I think El Nini's been unbelievable. And something I wanted to chat about, actually, was... Like, we all knew about three weeks ago, we all knew what Eddie was and we all knew what El Neniesta was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, never, I'm never gonna not say that. Like, they were, but like Eddie El Neni was a side to side player that would sometimes go backwards, sometimes go sideways, never forward. Him and Granny Jack in midfield is the stalest thing in the world. Get rid of him and all that sort of stuff. Eddie couldn't finish really, promising young kid, needed to move on, wasn't interested. And how, how wrong we were. And I think we, we kind of forget that, particularly with young players, we sometimes box players into what we think they are. Kind of mm. forget that the coach can get something else out of them. Again, somebody like Arteta has come in and, and revitalised these players. Eddie is looking phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. Like the way he's running the channels, the aggress- like he's turning around, he's doing all the things we thought Lacazette was doing really well, but also doing the other things that he wasn't doing. Um, and was really, really unlucky not to score. El Neni was doing it. Sorry, El Neniesta was doing things that Party <laughs> was doing. 
he was playing the party role. He wasn't doing on any things, you know, that ball to Enketia. Yeah. Um, was If Kevin De Bruyne had done that, we've been talking about that all weekend. So these are players that are really stepping up. Yeah, like, I, I think the, the one important thing that I, I've seen from both of them is that they are, they've just come in and slotted in really well. I think El Nenny, I think he had one Premier League appearance Mm. in 2022 before he came in and that was against Manchester City and it was for one minute that was it Jesus. and and then he comes in in these games and he's done as well as he has and you you it's a great point you make about that that ball to Eddie if if Cesc Fabregas or Meza Ozil played that we would be talking about it for the end of time so yeah um credit him he's done well I, I think also his experience there has, has been good it's not a knock on Sambi Lakonga because I think he's a really good talent. But I think when the going has got tough and we, we just need results any way we can, I think you, you go, you lean more to experience. And I think that's where Elneny's coming and being useful. Eddie and Ketia, I think he had a really, really good performance against West Ham. And yeah. and I know a lot of people will say his finishing was bad. And yes, he, he didn't finish his chances. And uh, I think there was only one really that you could say, oh, maybe he could have done better. But that one was very close to the post. I think the rest of them, he he created the chances himself. Yeah. He he earned those those points, like he earned those um, moments. Those good moments were all from him, and he he was just all round really well. He faced a really tough customer in Kurt Zuma. Mm. Kurt Zuma is a really physical defender. Eddie stood up to him really really well, and obviously. I think he's got character about him. This shows he's got character. I mean, all you have to do is look at the the sort of feuds with um with Declan Rice at the end of the game and him Loved not it. backing yeah, and him not backing down, which was really, really excellent. So I thought he was really, really good here, and he has been really, really good. Yes, people can point to that he's not Arsenal quality. I get that. Mm. That's fine. He's probably still gonna leave. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind him staying, but I think he's gonna leave because of his because of his own development but yeah i think we've got a question about that it'd be quite good to dive into that at the time so let's yeah um, go for it uh do we well yeah no we'll, we'll dive into that at the time but sorry yeah um yeah it, it is interesting isn't it like it, we've got a couple of players running out of contracts and it's it i guess it's just what what they need really but um um, but look, I mean, Eddie did excellently, like really yeah. excellently, and um, fair play to the people that have come in. And um, I was so happy to see Tomiyasu come back. Oh, it was um, very nice to have him back. Oh, god, he just everything changes. We forget, like, at the time when he was playing regularly, he was definitely a contender for player of the season for us. We were talking about him so highly, yeah. Um, and like they never really announced that he was going to be out for ages. It was always a couple of weeks for about six months. It was always a couple of weeks yeah. going back. So it's always felt like he's been in touching distance and seeing back on was just exceptional. And I think he gave such a balance to, to what was a depleted backline again, because Ben White was out, which is a little bit more concerning. Yeah. Um, obviously he left us with his heart and our, our mouths for a little bit. Um, but turns out he's he's completely okay according to Arteta. Yeah. Um, so it'd be good to have him back for Leeds. But uh, yeah, were you just as happy to see him back? You thought it was a good decision to bring him in instead of Cedric, despite him not yeah. playing for all time. Yeah, I thought it was a really good decision. I thought it was important to bring him back as quickly mm-hmm. as possible because I think he's just such an important player. And remember, um, and I think at this point was made um, on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but um, this was a guy who came off the the plane from Japan mm. to play against Norwich in his first game oh, yeah. and and played really really well and so this was a man <laughs> who didn't need the the match sharpness he was just ready from moment one and it was so nice to have him back I think it's important to have him back with Tavares at left back because he just adds so much balance Tavares doesn't need to come back as much and it's not as as crucial compared to um, when Tommy Astley's there because everyone sort of slides across. Mm. So I'm I'm really happy to see him back, and it's so crucial to have him back ahead of the running against uh, against Spurs. 
So that that he him versus Son will be very good, and hopefully Tommy Asu can produce a really good performance against um, Spurs. But it's so encouraging how how, how he's been and uh, when whenever he's played, and now that he's back, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and it was um, particularly telling when we finished the game with a back four consisting of Cedric uh, holding. Uh, Gabriel and Nuno Tavares, who was uh, it was it was quite a concerning time when we were trying to hold out for that victory. But yeah, fair plays and they said solid. Any any thoughts on Tavares and um, the chaos and the the turbulent wind he is? I mean, he's just an absolute. He's the Tasmanian devil, isn't he? Like no. it's sort of, it's sort of he, I thought actually he played okay. Like I don't think he played horribly. I think for their goal, I think maybe he was a bit. Maybe he could have done a bit better, got closer to Kufal. Mm. But I think going forward, I actually thought he was actually pretty good. Yeah. And um, there were some moments where he burst forward past Kufal, and uh, you just thought, oh, well, this is why. Like, this is the potential you see in him. It's just the, the defensive side because it's so bad. He, it's literally like he's sort of his impact reminds me of like Yaya uh, Sonogo. He's the Yaya yeah. Sonogo of fullbacks. Just, just chaos personified. And Sometimes you need down football pitch because when he doesn't know what he's doing, what do, the other team's not going to expect what he's doing. So um, I'm re- I'm really pleased. Uh, like I, I was happy he done as well as he did. He, I mean, he wasn't exceptional, but at least he wasn't like because there was a bit in the Man- Manchester United game um, the week before where he, he just like went off the rails and he yeah. just couldn't make a pass or whatever. Um, but here he looks a bit more confident, a little bit more on on it, and uh, I was I was pleased for him. Yeah, I again another another day, another Nuno performance, and you know he had your ups, he had his downs. He just finds himself in crazy positions, and like you say, if if we don't know where he's going to be, then then who does? But you're right, he was a little bit out of position, could have been a bit further back for um, the bow and goal. You know, unfortunately, it was one of those things they played really well, and uh, you know it was a really good move to be honest. They were also incredibly lucky with that deflection. Like I yeah. think that's the, that's the only place it could have gone to go in, uh, and it did. So you know they got the luck of the green there. I think Ramazel had couldn't really do anything, which you know from, from that, which is fair enough. Um, although I think he made an unbelievable save later in the game at one-one. Um, yeah. When they swung in a corner, I don't know who got their head to it, but you know another i think it was a really good performance from ramsdale what, what did you think about the um the uh ramsdale incident where it should have well oh, sorry he could have fouled that person it was bowen who was the real goal um but didn't quite make it i i i thought he was very lucky to not get sending off because i think Bowen has got to be a bit smarter like if i'm if i'm a forward i'm just running into ramsdale at that point He's not yeah. getting the ball. I'm just running into Ramsdale and falling over because then there's no choice that the referee... That's the choice the referee has to make. He's going to get a red card. Um, so Ramsdale was lucky. We did get a bit lucky. Surprising because it was Mike yeah. Dean, the referee. So, um, yeah, like um, for him to give us the luck is quite a, quite a shock. But, um, yeah, no, I, I thought apart from that moment and uh, his all-round game was good. And I thought he did well. He, I think the save you're referring to is Declan Rice's um, flick on header. Yeah, and and he makes a, a terrific save. And because it, 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 it went in rapidly, and it, the whole thing, like before you even caught your breath, it's sort of like got out for a quarter again. It was really good from Ramsdale. So yeah, um, yeah, really happy. Like really happy he's sort of come back to form, and that's sort of what we need now. We need players to come into form during this crucial period. Yeah, and I think he needs it. I, I, just going back to that incident in particular, um, like I think, I, I often think, okay, well, what would I feel if, um, you know, I, if that went against me? Um, like, I think it was a dive, but only yeah, just. But, but the, my, own, my only thing with that is, I've sort of like gone back and forth on this, and mm. I think, I think any sort of attacker, like, Ramsdale has has impeded him basically. It yes. doesn't really matter if there's no contact because Bowen has jumped over him. Yes, he's he's sort of made a meal out of it, but mm. when you see like someone charging at you that much, like you can make an argument that he's trying to get like he's trying to 
protect himself really so um what's, what's the rule there because like i it obviously to me makes so much sense that like if you have to move out the way like, or, like jump over or change your stride or have to get away from a dangerous tackle because someone's flown in then that should be as deserved foul as if you do have made contact I, I think the I don't know I don't know, I don't know the specific the rule, rule but mm. I I always think it the the intent like I always think if if there's no contact it's not a foul like that's how the referees see it mm. it's sort of like how you know when um you make someone has a shot and then the player fouls them after they've had the shot yeah it's sort of like doesn't matter except that one time where she only got a red card after um after a player got sent off and i'm still not i'm still bitter about it so um but yes um yeah but like it, it's sort of like that and i don't agree with it because it, it is a bit dangerous um from ramsdale he, he does go flying in but um yeah, I mean the referee. Uh, if there's no contact, most of the time do? the referee the referee's not going to uh, give a foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. And um, it's an interesting one. Always an interesting conversation about whether or not contact should always be the defining factor of a, of a foul. But yeah. Um, well, look, finished it with a win. Great goal from you know little little chip in from Martinelli to the two to the other Gabriel. Not sure if Flappy Hansky could have done any better. Probably <laughs> could have done, but don't really care. Uh, and good to see Tommy Yassi back. And um, the only sting on on the cli- on the sheet there is 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 Ben White potentially being injured. And we tend to be very coy about what we tell the press slash the fans about what injuries we have. Mm. You know, we didn't even know until the the first um, until the squad was announced that that, that White was injured. So we'll see. Um, man of the match. Um, I'm going to give it to Rob Holden. Um, mm. It's either Rob Holden or Eddie Inketia. Um, I think I'll give it to Rob Holden. I thought you played okay. really, really well. And because it was sort of a back to the walls, ugly win, you sort of have to give it to a defender. Mm. Uh, I, uh, if, if I gave it to Eddie, even though I thought he brought into play, play very well, I think you have to go um, with real Rob Holden here. What, what about you? Nice. Yeah, I, well, I had Eddie. I had Eddie because he thought he ran the channel really well, everything we've said. He was very unlucky not to score one, if not two goals. Um but I think I might just give it to Aaron Ramsdale just because of the hairline comment. Like that was so funny. Normally <laughs> <laughs> took six years and six uh, six years and a hair and a hairline transplant, mate, or whatever he said. Very good. <laughs> very very. It was good. excellent. Really excellent. So, uh, what about your dick of the day? Um, my dick of the day was Declan Rice. For getting up into Eddie and Kessie's face and then trying to fake and trying to say to him, who, "Who are you? Who are you?" Even though he's played with him through the age levels since the age of nine. So um, yeah, yeah, he's my ticket today. Yeah, fair enough. Um, makes a lot of sense. I've gone for the celebration, the, the newest member of the celebration police, Chris Sutton. Yeah. Um, how da- how dare they celebrate? Uh, Going into the top four with a few games, like how dare? Well, do that? I'm I'm just gonna uh, put a disclaimer out here now, right? If Arsenal get into the top four this season, oh god, I will be the most unbearable person you have ever met, and I think most Arsenal fans will be as well because yeah. I think the amount of, the amount of time we've gone through, um, through the years and. Uh, like the amount of pain we've gone through the years, being outside the Champions League to be back in it after mm. people basically said we we had no chance of getting in it, it would be really sweet. So um, yeah, so the, the, that's a disclaimer from me. Big ifs, big buts, big maybes. It's yeah, it is going to be a very nervous finish. And if 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 we do, um, I think that's exactly what I'm going to be doing as well. And that will be right in Chris Sutton's face. It'll be right in Agbon Lahore's face. Um, and of course, the starter of the whole group, Ruben Neves. Yeah. Um, well, look, let's 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 jump into some questions. We have a quite a number, so um, once we've done this, we'll, we'll then move on to a women's roundup, um, as provided by Connor, who recorded that earlier. So thank you, Connor. Um, so there's a trend. There's a, there's a question about. Um, there's quite a few about about Anketia. 
So yeah. we'll take Kobe Fox's one. Uh, so we go Balan. Simply says Balogun or Enketia. And what I think is really interesting about that question is that they're quite similarly profiled in the sense that they're quite young, had very yeah. good youths through Arsenal. The system went very well for them. They haven't quite transitioned into the into senior yet. Balogun's having a, a fine time, but quite a tricky time at Middlesbrough. Um, but Eddie is coming into some serious form. So where does this leave you with? Where what could happen with both of those players and, and what we do in the summer? I, I, I think I think it, it, I think Eddie leaves because I think he's getting to the age now where he has to play regular football. I think he's developed much more this mm-hmm. season than a lot of people I think give him credit for. Because even earlier in the season, I think we were talking about it, how his hold up play and his all round game has improved. Because before he would barely touch the ball, and now he's sort of like he has that all-round game to him, mm. and it, it sort of makes him much stronger uh, as a player. And I've really, I've really enjoyed that from him. Um, his development. I still think he leaves, and with Balogun, yeah. I think we we got to forget. Um, we can't forget that he's he's the one who has the contract. He signed a new one last year. He has signed a five-year deal. He's the one we, we have clearly put the money into, to clearly put the time into. He's gone out on loans to Middlesbrough. He, he has three goals and three assists in, yeah. uh, um, in the championship, which is okay. He's not, not the best, not the worst. He's played a decent amount of minutes and he needed that men's football to sort of get him um, developing into, into something. Um, and he needed that for his development. So I'm happy for him. And that he's getting that sort of time. And I think he needed it. And Arsenal, I have put their eggs in his basket. So that's the one we should be putting time into. Because even if Eddie does stay, mm. Balogun's still got the longer deal. And Balogun is still the one that they thought had more talent. So, um, yeah. So uh, that's who I, I think that should be being putting the more, more time into. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's it's hard, like, I, but I don't think, um, like, we've given Eddie an offer. Yeah, it's on the table for him. It's I don't like, and I don't know what an improved offer would look like because I don't well, think it's about money, really, is it? Like, he needs to play football, and I think the offer is going to be we're going to buy a striker in the summer. They will be our number one, and you'll be back up. And I think we'll have Balogun as well. But there'll be more time for all these players, but. For any situation, if a Palace or a, I don't know, an Everton or whatever it may be would come up, I think it would be kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, I've, I, 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 I think for for Eddie, I think it is all about playing time. I don't think it's about money. I think mm. it's about playing time, and that's completely fair. And I think the the only way he stays is if he's been told, "Oh, you're going to be my number one striker." And I don't think Arsenal are going to tell him that or do that. I think if Arsenal went into next season with Eddie and Ketia as their starting striker, I think mm. a lot of fans would be annoyed. And yes, Eddie has done well, and I'm really happy for him as someone who's has always sort of been a fan of him. Um, mm. I, I I'm really pleased for him, but look, I, I still think he's going to leave, and I don't think it's because of the talent. I don't think it's because of money. I think it's because he wants to play, and mm-hmm. he's not going to get he's not going to play an incredible amount of minutes at Arsenal, so he will leave. I agree. I agree. I'd have him. I'd have him, but I'd want him to be happy doing it, you know, and he's going to have yeah, to be yeah. a player and we've got Gabriel Jesus on the cards, maybe. Maybe. Well, look, if we get Champions League, I mean, the calibre of player we're going to be able to get is significantly better than what we were thinking before. So, um, well, look, we'll move on. So, so, so another question comes from Shreyasby10. So do performances from Rob Holding and Mohamed El Nenny prove Arteta's man management skills? Oh, good question. Um, it is a good question, that. Yeah, I... I really interesting. Yes, I, I do, but it depends on... the. It's difficult, because I, I think it, it does show good man management skills in terms of those players. Yes, there have been other, other players who he hasn't got on with and he hasn't been able to sort of have at the club mm. um but were they more difficult characters like for example um 
Meza Ozil, Matteo mm. Guendouzi, um, Mustafi Kalasnac sort of thing. But even then, like Mustafi didn't really fall out with. He just wasn't a very good player. Like it, the, when you're talking about players, he actively fell out with. It's Guendouzi and it's Ozil. Mm. And uh, I don't know if we'll ever find out what happened with either of those situations. Um, and then obviously people will probably point to Nicola Pepe as well, but yeah. I don't think I don't think Nicola Pepe is because the the coach has a problem with him. I think he just he just doesn't rate him that highly, especially behind Bukayo Saka, and that's fine. Like players, like coaches sometimes just don't rate players, and they mm. there are players that they like, and there are players they don't. So I think it is testament that you have, but like Eddie and Ketty is leaving at the end of the season. Mm. He's, he's not signing a new deal. So is El Nenny. And both of them have come in and wanted to fight for the squad and get the team into the Champions League, even though both of those players probably won't be playing Champions League football next year. Yeah. Themselves. That, and then Rob Holding as well. Like, he's not, a, like, bought a player in his position last year. Mm. And Rob Holding has not complained once. And you saw, again, football nowadays is a squad game. Yeah. And... To have someone like Rob Holding who can come in for like five, ten games a season in the league to to do a job and to put in a good performance, then it's great. Like, yeah. he, he, like it's, it is really important. And I think it does show Arteta's man management skills. Because even, even Nuno Tavares, right? Mm. I thought he was done after not signing against Brighton. Yeah. Like, with Xhaka at left back. I think we said it on this podcast that he's done. But for him to come back in into the fold, Arteta to use him, and then for Nuno to sort of still be on board as well, like mm. that's that's quite that shows the man manager has good man management skills. Mm. And and again, people will forget this. And Arteta is still a rookie coach; he's still yeah. learning on his job. So there will be things that he will improve on, like during time. And I think what like last season, I thought his substitutions were pretty awful. This year, he's changed, like he's improved on them. Definitely, that's that's all you can ask from a coach, and that's what that. Yes, there will be teething issues, but I think in the most part, he has improved, and it's been a benefit of Arsenal. Yeah, I think so, and I think a really good black and white example of that is hauling Nuno off after 37 minutes against Forest versus keeping him on when he's starting to having a bit of a shopper against Man United, showing faith. Mm. And um, I, I, I've always been like we're quite sure all the best fans can still be quite short-termist. We have yeah. the most recent memory and we'll take quite quick opinions or we'll think about what's happening in the next couple of games. And Like, the likes of Granduzzi, the likes of Urzel, the likes of Aubameyang, yeah. all at the time, we there were some good sides, there was bad sides about it, but all in all, I think it was, the overarching question was, is he a bad man manager? And over time, I think we're starting to see that actually, He's probably an unbelievable man manager, not for these individual players, but for the benefit of the squad. Yeah. His investment is in the benefit of the squad and the atmosphere that he's created, which is clearly second to none. And you only have to go up the M6 to Manchester, yeah, United, not City, to see how <laughs> bad it can get if you don't address these group dynamic issues. You have your Pogba. Yeah. Pogba, who's got a logo for everything, does his little dance for everything, never turns up on the pitch, gets paid God knows how much a week. Hashtag Pog back. Um, you know, and Alexis Sanchez playing a little bit of a piano, like, cheers, right, great. He wanted to be out on first day. The players that are causing problems, all that. It's like, Arteta come out and just absolutely rehauled the squad. Yeah. And he gutted out what, even we couldn't see as fans as issues, because we didn't know. He's gutted it out, and he's kept harmony the players in the interest of the group. And I think it's, we're really reaping the rewards now. Yes, we've got a bit of a light squad. Yes, we've had to be a bit lucky. Um, and ride out these injuries, and he's found a way of making that work. And if we can just get over the line, you know, I think it's going to be really testament to him that the group that he's caught together. And I'm really, really excited to see what happens this Amazon documentary, to be honest. Well, when news or top four, top six, well, obviously we've got top six now. I mean, that's something we haven't even mentioned. These are the how poetic is it that we've got top six at West Ham, you know, yeah. when we thought just a few games ago that we had to really worry about top seven. And that's with what, four games to go. So nothing but respect for that. So really happy, really, really happy with with, with those players. And actually Arteta's man management skills in particular. Mm. So um, 
couple more couple more questions let's do them so um what would be so dylan 2006 says uh who should our number one priority in the summer transfer window be um like a name or a position uh let's go for a position and we'll go for a couple of names maybe so um i think striker for me is is the, the number one priority mm. i think it's the thing that we need and it will take us up a level i think i'm i'm just really excited about the gabriel jesus link like it really mm. excites me i know a lot of people are not convinced but it just seems it just makes so much sense and it just seems like a player who can improve at arsenal so mm. i would love that uh, like not like if it's not gabriel jesus you have the likes of like Osher men who uh, at Napoli, who's a, good, a really good talent as well um, that we we can have. So, but I think Gabriel Jesus for the money it will cost and and for the relationship he has with Arteta, it's just a no brainer for me. Yeah, me too, hundred percent. I think strikers we're crying out for it. I think he's exactly what we need. I think the idea of having Eddie in running the channels and doing like half of what Gabriel Gabriel Jesus. Is capable of both being available in the central and wide spaces i've just realized just how much we need that character and we need that performance and that player so jesus for me is number one that position is number one so it's not jesus it's somebody else but for the price and everything i think it's that position um mm. last couple then so uh the melound i think it's the mellow nd maybe apologies if we got that wrong do you take opinions from fans who never been to the game less seriously um, I mean, the short answer is absolutely not. No, no. It, like, I, it just makes no difference, to be honest. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm quite strong about this in terms of, like, you are no less of a fan if you live in a, a million, like, a 8,000 miles away or if you live right next to the Emirates. Like, the, you, there, is, there is no tier list of fans no. out there. You, we are all Arsenal fans. We all are behind the same cause. I, I don't care that, like, you don't go to games. Like, that's not a big thing to me. As long as you talk Arsenal, I will get on with you mm. and respect you. That's all it needs to be. Well, look, I, we've got the most expensive ticket in the league, mm. right? For me, when I was living outside in uh, outside of London, all in all, a ticket which I'd have had to pay 60 quid up front as a membership, which doesn't agree, doesn't get you any uh, guarantee of a ticket. That just gives you a red membership at the beginning of the season. Then you have to actually find a game and get a game because you've logged on at the right time. You know when the tickets are dropping and they haven't, they've just slipped through the silver membership. And then I've got to get the train. You want to eat while you're out because it's a whole half day, day you're out. Mm. You know, you're going to eat, maybe get a couple of drinks. You're talking 150, 200 quid, and it's like this is for a normal league game or a Carling Cup game. And then you've got work to think about how you're getting there, how you're getting back. You're going to be tired for it. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that now, and it's never been the case, I'll, I live about 20 minute walk from the stadium, and that's given me access to a world I didn't accept it. Midweek games, mm. it's very, very accessible, a little bit cheaper tickets, and it's completely different. I was never a complete, complete match attendee, but even if I wasn't, or even let's say I've been, I'm a season ticket holder, and let's say that I would live 10 minutes away. Does that make me more of a fan than if I live in, I don't know, Indonesia and I do artwork all the time for Arsenal, have an Instagram mm. page, and I wake up at 1 a.m. every every uh, every morning to watch the games? You know, it, it's, it's no, I think opinions are completely valid, however much or however little you, you get to watch or choose yeah. to go to or not to go to a game. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, 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 yeah, I feel sorry for. Like you do definitely get those fans that think that, and I just think that's completely unfair. Yeah, I, I if if you are um, if you are a fan who is um, listening to this and you are abroad and you, you you don't get the chance to go to games, just just know your support is no less than anyone else's. Always, you, yeah, mm-hmm. you are always respected, and I, I'm sure you love the club just as much as I do. And if anything, you might love it even more than I do um, because you have to get up at crazy hours um, to watch games. And mm. that's the commitment of a fan um, who goes to games doesn't have to do. There's no competition. If you go to games, you're an Arsenal fan. If you don't, you're still an Arsenal fan. I agree. 
Two more quick fire ones then. So we got one from Oliver Wilson, which says, which Arsenal player would win in a bike race? And he also said, hope you find your bike, mate. Oh, thanks. I lost my bike. But I say I got stolen. <laughs> but, um, who, who would you say? In a bike race? Oh. I think El Nenny. I mean, he has got very good stamina. So you oh, lose the engine. Yeah. So El Nenny is a really good shout. Um, and the fact that he had zero match fitness really going into the Manchester United game and suddenly pulled out an absolute engine of performance like he yeah, just maybe, be ready for anything maybe, maybe, maybe Tommy Asu like, Tommy, um, big Tommy yeah yeah, Tommy but um, not got the calves for it at the moment didn't last more than no, 60 minutes the weekend I don't, I don't know why this is going to be a rogue shout but I'm thinking Nuno Tavares because I just think he'll be batshit insane yeah, like, while 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 doing it, like he'd like sprint up the hill, he'd crash. Yeah, and then he'd like go the wrong way, and then he'd like get back on course, and then he'd like, you know, and then he'd swap bikes halfway through, and then pull a wheelie, and then crash into another car. Like that would be his route, and he'd still get there first. Yeah. It would be so strange. That would be it. Would be he'd be the funnest cyclist, that's for sure. Yeah. He'd probably do a Lance Armstrong and just fill himself up with all sorts of drugs and see, <laughs> see what happens. I'd like to. I'd like to see what. Tavares would do with full of drugs. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he, maybe that's what he's uh, he's full of at the moment. Anyway, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised. He's that kind of player. <laughs> what about uh, okay? Tanya Fozard, as always, has a good question. So, uh, if you had to pick a starting eleven made of one player, who would it be? I don't think that would be Nuno. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if you're if you're asking for the most entertaining team, very different as a, as a neutral, then Nuno, alone, yeah. uh, eleven Nunos would be great. Mm. Um, Saka, maybe like Saka's a really good shout. Like you can see a lot in goal though, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, you have to pass it out from the back a lot. I think either Ben White or Tommy Asu. Just Tommy. Because, yeah, I think Tommy would be really, really good as a striker because yeah. his aerial ability is incredible. Mm. So, and and because Tommy has really, really good, um, like he's really adept with both feet. Mm. Like, um, he would just be able to play in every position. So, I'd I'd be um, I'd be interested to see Tommy as a striker or even as a cam. So, yeah, he's my pick. Uh, yeah, nice. I think so. A bunch of Tommies versus a bunch of Sackers, I think, has got has got ten nine written all over it. <laughs> um, so, certainly be very interesting. Um, well, look, let's leave it there. We've got leads at the weekend. People have got lives to look, uh, you know, continue on with. So um, there is uh, a women's roundup coming back after this that Connor, our women's correspondent, is doing. So please stick around for that. Um, he's ripped up a nice little 10 minutes rounding up what's going on the WSL, which is lots. Uh, short answer. So we look forward to that. But Matt, so much, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Um, quick predictions for the weekend. Both. Oh, Actually, oh, let's not do that. I'm too. Yeah. Dumb. No, no let's I, skip that bit today. Um, I said on my own, like on Can You Believe It, um, I said I'm not doing predictions for the rest of the season. because never again. um, Yeah, never again. So um, no predictions. I just hope for joy. Nice. Joy it will be. All right. Thanks so much, listen, everyone. Enjoy the women's roundup from Connor, and I will speak to you next week. Cheers, all. Welcome back, everyone, to another women's roundup for the Arsenal editor with me, Connor. And what a week, hey? What a week it's been, and... What a fantastic time to be an Arsenal fan, at least for now. Uh, I think we're in the twilight zone where the team, you know, the women's team are doing really well and, and taking the title race right down to the final day and making it interesting. As well as the parallel with the men's team who are doing everything they can to make sure that we get Champions League football. And I think um, it's especially interesting because of the two different stages of the men's and women's team where there is something to get still and there is something to achieve and there is something still to be proud of. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic time and an interesting time in that sense to be able to talk about this kind of thing. And with the women's side, it's, it's getting right down to it. You know, uh, Chelsea are, are doing everything they can to make sure that they secure the title and Arsenal are doing everything they can to make sure that it comes down to the final day at the very least. And it's been quite a, quite a roller coaster in terms of Chelsea. Arsenal and Chelsea is developing into a really, really big rivalry now, especially in my time since watching the women's team. 
and having watched their FA Cup final defeat, having watched them um, be defeated by Chelsea in the semi-final of this year's FA Cup, as well as pipping them uh, to the title a couple of years ago, it's really been some some rivalry that's now developing. And the North London derby is getting very, very big in terms of Arsenal and Spurs. But in terms of quality, it's more so between Arsenal and Chelsea in the Women's League at the moment. Man City have fallen away this year due to injuries, due to just unlucky results. And then that's just been the way it has. And talking about Man City and Arsenal, we can never forget uh, the last-minute equaliser that Tobin Heath scored on that fateful day. And what a shame, I'm having to, to mention this now, that Tobin has been released by Arsenal Ladies, uh, Arsenal Women's Football Club, because she has picked up a hamstring injury and is not going to be staying beyond the season. So what a shame and an end to what has been a beautiful story and a reunion between a fan and the club that she loves. Uh, she's been an Arsenal fan ever since she was younger. And the fact that she had to go through United to eventually get to Arsenal was a shame, but then it allowed us to share some beautiful moments. And it's hard to sum up Tobin's time at Arsenal. She came with a lot of pedigree and... I found that I, I was always wanting just a little bit more, just to see her a little bit more often, just to see her completely and utterly tear up the pitch. And maybe it was due to injury issues, maybe it was due to a new team system, but her influence wasn't just on the pitch, it was also off the pitch. Her willingness to work, her personality, her desire to connect with the rest of the Arsenal team, I think has been absolutely fantastic and a testament to her. It's not easy coming into this kind of a club and maybe not easy coming to a club that you love where you put the pressure on yourself, but being a, a multiple World Cup winner that she is, I think she handles pressure like it's um, like she's having breakfast. So I think it's been absolutely an absolute pleasure to have her in the Arsenal ranks. And I think Jonas Eideval has, has echoed that. I think the Arsenal team have echoed that. And that's what you need in these kinds of teams. You need winners. You need people who have that experience. And she was able to come in as a chaos player and able to come in as an alternative and, and someone to strike fear in the hearts of, of other teams. And, and that's what she did, especially with that equaliser away to Man City with a celebration, you know, holding the badge and um, showing all her passion that she has for the club. It was fantastic to see. And a shame that she's not been able to close out the season with uh, the ceremony that, that she deserves. So she's now headed back to the US to prepare herself for international duty. And what a shame. What a shame. But a pleasure to have even had the opportunity to see her. And then getting on to the game that we've that we've been able to witness against Aston Villa. What a result and what a performance. 7-0. Um, we did start off, to be fair, a little bit shaky, a little bit sloppy. It wasn't really getting pinged around. It was missing players. It was going out. And then eventually we just found our groove. And the player who found that the most was, surprise, surprise, Viviana Miedemar. And what a player this uh, this player is. She has been absolutely fantastic for Arsenal along the years. And if you haven't been able to to enjoy her skills and her ability up until now, you've got a whole plethora of absolutely fantastic goals, skills, passes to enjoy. And it just shows when she smacks the first and second goal from outside the box. Uh, when you're giving Viviana Miedema that much space, and just let rip, then she's going to find the net. The first goal, maybe the keeper should have done a little bit better, but then that's the name of the game. Uh, you have to put them in, and, and when you strike the ball with that much power, that's what happens. Uh, but the second goal, bottom left corner, no problems at all. Um, and she even nearly got a hat-trick, and maybe should have. Uh, I think she, she spurned a chance or two, but then she did the classic dribble into the box, shimmy onto her left foot, smack it straight above the keeper, and it hit the bar and then went in as an own goal. There's no way that we could have credited that to Viv, to, to Viv as much as we would have wanted, but that was, that was how it went. And I think looking at that and seeing that she's still producing these performances from the centre of midfield as a, almost a free-roaming cam has been fantastic to see. And... She's still playing there, even if we're not playing with Stina Blackstenius, who has sort of established herself as our out-and-out -out number nine, uh, because we played with Clayton, Caitlin Ford as our centre-forward. And I'm interested to hear your comments. If you're ever able to interact on the Arsenal Editor Instagram page, I would love to hear what you think. And if Caitlin Ford, is she better on the left wing or as a central striker? For me, I think I would rather see her as, as a left wing drifting inwards to link up with the main striker rather than the striker herself. But to set up, um, I think it was one of, um, one, I think it was the own goal for Viv that she was able to hold the ball up and play it out. And maybe it was even just a chance. 
her hold-up play was fantastic in that game. And to bring others into the fore, I think she's been there for, at Arsenal for a couple of years now and been able to establish herself within the squad and has that connection with the forward players. And I think that's fantastic. And she was able to supply Katie, Katie McCabe, who has been able to play on the left wing as a result of her, of Caitlin Ford moving to centre forward as well. And I think I would love to hear whether you prefer her as a centre forward or as a left wing. Uh, for me, I would prefer as a left wing coming in, even if that does mean um, Katie McCabe has to, take a, has to take a seat on the bench or at left back, because I don't know. I don't know who I would rather prefer at left back in terms of Katie McCabe or um, uh, her, uh, uh, well, Caitlin Ford's compatriot, um, Steph Catley. I think that's a very tough decision to make and a fantastic problem to have in that sense as well. And and Katie's really been been taking the left wing left wing position in her stride. But I just think that attacking now has got has got Caitlin Ford uh, in in that position for me. But anyways, um, getting back to to the game. Um, Beth Miedemar, Beth Miedemar, Beth Mead has been an electric player this season as well. Now the WSL's most, uh, well, top assist maker, having overtaken um, Karen Carney very recently, and she let rip an absolute thunderbolt in the game. Uh, it was outside the box, right foot hit straight, just on the right side of the D, swerving away from the keeper, top right corner, magnificent. And probably, for me, the best game, the best goal of the game. And I couldn't fault it. I thought her, her touch was fantastic, and I thought her ability to strike the ball with, uh, with a very quick turnaround as well was just, was just incredible. After that one, we had a little bit of a woman moy tap-in, uh, where we had a bit of a flash ball across the box, a uh, touch from her, and straight in to the middle of the goal. A fantastic goal for her and fantastic way for her to mark her signing of a new contract. So we've got Women Moy tied down for another couple of years, which would be a fantastic base for us, uh, centre-back partnership, um, centre-back partnerships, I should say, to, to carry on moving forward. And she's been absolutely electric with Rafaela's absence. And then we had a very, very cheeky finish from Stina Blackstenius where she took the ball in on the right wing, threw, threw, put through on, uh, on goal within the channel and then coming crossing in. She didn't really know what to do with it. She was trying to cross it. There was nobody open. And so she waited for the keeper to make a move and then just poked it through her leg with the right foot. Fantastic finish. And, and what a revelation she's been for the team. I say it every week. She's been a fantastic addition and I, and I look forward to seeing her first full um, I was sort of her, her an almost new full Arsenal season in that sense. I, I cannot wait. And um, from there, we then saw a monumentous moment. We saw Nikita Paris finally score her 50th WSL goal after Kim Little gave over the penalty duties to her. She slotted it bottom left. And you could see the visual happiness on Nikita's face and her saying thank you to Kim Little, a fantastic gesture from our captain. And... One that is definitely needed. I think Nikita's been right, right there, knocking on the door for her 50th goal for a long, long time. So in the past two weeks, you've seen uh, Jordan Nobbs score her 50th goal and Beth Mead become the top assist maker. And then we've also seen Nikita Paris score her 50th goal as well. So it's been a fantastic couple of weeks for the Arsenal women's team. And I think it's been, been great to see. And what also has been great to see if you've been able to to watch my videos on that I've posted on the Arsenal Editor Instagram page, is that Leah Williamson can't pass. She can play whatever ball you want, left, right, centre, just let her know. Uh, switch balls galore. And it's fantastic for us to be able to, to see that developing through our game. And you can see that when Arsenal get comfortable, she steps further and further up the pitch to be able to spy those passes and to be able to play it on a dime. So I've been... Very much in awe of watching a ball-playing centre-back in that sense. So we've got our driving centre-back in the form of Ruben Moy, I think, and we've got our ball-playing centre-back in the form of Leah Williamson as well. Um, and I think what is also interesting to note is that uh, Lydia Williams started in goal, so it wasn't the usual um, Manuela Zinsberger. And I think that one is to do... I'm not too sure to what to make of that one. Uh, we've both got... They're both two fantastic goalkeepers, and I think they've been absolutely key in being able to push each other in terms of competition and in terms of making each other better. And I, I found that she was definitely very keen to get on the ball. I didn't think she had to make, to make too many saves. So very solid from her, but she does love having the ball at her feet and very keen to get involved in the play as soon as she can. 
And unfortunately, I cannot leave the commentary of, of this match without mentioning the sad, sad sight of Jordan Nobbs being subbed off, having been subbed on uh, to play the game due to her left and left knee problem. And for those who know Jordan Nobbs, they will know that she got a she did her ACL a couple of years ago, I think twenty between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen, maybe around there. And it was maybe even twenty seventeen and it was a horrendous injury. And she actually did her knee just uh, around the same time as Rob Holding. So it was a fantastic documentary on Arsenal's um, YouTube where they talk, where they go through what she's having to to go through, and then also talk to Rob Holding as well when when he's there and how they became injury buddies in that sense. So it was such a sad sight to see, and it was one where you're wanting to get Jordan selected for the England squad for the Euros, and to get selected you need minutes, and without these minutes that Jordan is now going to have to go without. It's getting increasingly and increasingly difficult to to not sell, to to select her in that sense, and I have a feeling that if this is a longer injury and Jordan's not being able to to get back onto the pitch, that's going to really hamper her opportunities to get selected. So fingers crossed for her, fingers crossed for for an Arsenal legend in that sense, and someone who has found game time hard to come by this season, and as as a result lacked a little bit of confidence. So. We're hoping and wishing you, Jordan, a very, very quick recovery. And we are holding you in our thoughts and looking forward to seeing you back banging in the goals like you did last week. Um, and it's it's just so gutting to see a player of that stature leave the pitch without being able to to contribute what she, what she show, so wants to do. Um, and then surprise, surprise, the player of the match was Viv Miedemar after her two goals. And then her heavy involvement in in the third goal or the the own goal, I think it was, it was no, to no one's surprise that she she managed to do that. And with her with her getting all these accolades, it's getting increasingly increasingly uncomfortable um, when we talk about her contractual situation. At the moment, her contract is up in the summer, and I haven't heard too much news about any renewal. She's target. She's a target for Barcelona. She's a target for PSG. And and why wouldn't she be? And I'm just fingers crossed that she'll be able to to find a way to stay at Arsenal and for Jonas Eideveld to sell the project that she'll be able to be a part of. And I think Champions League football and winning the league will be extremely important in that. And she's already made history in the WSL and can continue to make even more history through goals, assists and just prominent displays that I think she can go even further in establishing herself as an absolute regular within the WSL annals of history and the WSL Hall of Fame in that sense. So I think when we talk about a contractual situation, we need to bear in mind that when you sign a player like Vivi Udemar, you're now signing not only the player on the pitch, but also the aura and the stature that she brings outside of the game as well. So again, thank you so much for sticking with me with the Women's Roundup. We've now got our sights set on the North London Derby tomorrow, Wednesday, which will be an increasingly and increasingly furious and tight affair that we we need to dominate and what better game to have at the Emirates than a North London derby between Arsenal women's and Tottenham Hospital women's as well it's going to be a tough game but one where the Emirates will, will create the atmosphere that we need and that we should see over the line so I have full confidence that we'll get the job done and then we just got to hope and pray to the football guards that something happens to Chelsea as well all we can do is get the three points and I have full confidence in the girls that we will do that tomorrow and that will be an evening kickoff, and that will be on BBC Sports. So please do tune into that. Support the girls. And if you're going, let us know. We'd love to hear your reactions, love to hear your thoughts. So please do let us know what you're thinking. Should Caitlin Ford be a centre forward or left wing? Also let me know. I look forward to hearing all of your comments. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week. 